Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I am your host today, Michael Kuhn, on the phone with my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. And we are recording a somewhat emergency podcast, somewhat celebratory podcast, because it was just announced by Chris Mortensen this morning that Freddie Kitchens is being retained as a Cleveland Browns coach and will be now the head coach going forward. Um, which I think has almost every Cleveland Browns fan very excited and bouncing off the walls today. I honestly, personally, uh, have got very little work done um, since <laughs> I found out that this um, news came over the wire. I've just been um, too giddy. I did have a lunch meeting, so um, that was kind of like a staple. I had to, I had to do that. But other yeah, than and that, you probably asked them. You probably asked them about the Cleveland Browns and their their uh, assistant coach retention decisions didn't you funny enough this guy is a uh football sports agent so yeah we talked about it <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. Uh, yeah i think what are your thoughts no i mean everybody everybody's excited and i think they should be what kitchens did with the offense is kind of unprecedented something we haven't seen in cleveland and hasn't been replicated across the nfl in a long time um Plus, the other people that we interviewed for this job just weren't terribly exciting. They were either unproven, so you didn't really know what to expect, or they had a history that was less than enticing. I mean, look at Greg Williams, Jim Caldwell, or I mean, even some of the names like Mike McCarthy being thrown around. Like, I don't, no, nobody was getting excited about that. We had eight games of Kitchens call this offense, and it was exciting, and that is something to be pumped about. So. Okay, but what I think is funny is how quickly everyone got on board with the idea of Kitchens being the head coach. Not it wasn't it was hardly a week ago that we recorded a podcast and we're talking about Greg Williams being the a good candidate as head coach while also acknowledging that it was extremely important to us to keep Freddie Kitchens. But very yeah, quickly, that's the, that's very the quickly the reason we wanted Greg to stay on as head coach though. Or I did. I mean, I was the propo- big proponent of that because I didn't want to upset the apple cart. Um, yeah. Um, and so the news has come out throughout the course of the day that Greg Williams is not going to be retained and is no longer a member of the Cleveland Browns. So that has to mean that his son, Greg or Blake Williams, is also no longer a coach for us. Um, any thoughts on that? You know, I mean, it was it's to be expected with with all the turnover. Um, but we've got I'm not really worried about our defense because we've got the pieces to be good. Um, and our pieces aren't necessarily tied to a specific scheme. Um, I mean, I'd prefer not to go to a three four defensive scheme because that doesn't really fit our personnel. But I mean, it doesn't have to be this um, Greg Williams, like Tampa two esque like hyper-aggressive blitzing package. Um, we go with a, a different route, a more traditional defensive coordinator, and I think still have success. So I'm not, I, I appreciated what Greg Williams did for this team um, and what he was able to accomplish over the last eight games as head coach, winning five, which is just unbelievable, given that Hugh Jackson was only able to win three over, over three seasons. Two and a half um, seasons, yeah. Yeah, which is incredible. But, 
I mean, everybody knew that if he didn't get the head coaching job, he wasn't sticking around. Yeah, and you can't. Like, it would be terrible for the organization it, to the keep optics, him on. That, the ap- optics are just weird. Because there's going to be some people in the locker room who really like him and um, would rather listen to him than the head coach. And it just creates kind of this um, power struggle dynamic that you, that you don't want. And so, I mean, I don't even know if he'd want to stay on as defensive coordinator. But according to him, he's got a bunch of head coaching interviews or offers on the table. So he should probably go take one of those. Well, you know, it made made everybody laugh when he made those comments early on when he was given the job. Um, But now that he's done what he's done in those final eight games, like I think he should get consideration um, for some head coaching jobs. And at the very least, like top consideration for some defensive coaching jobs. And I'm sure yeah. that he gave himself a whole lot more life in the NFL as a result of no. his performance. I mean, it, it can't say enough. I don't think we could have expected anything more from him um, in this last stretch of the season. So I'm. it's like a bittersweet. Um, I think Somebody... it was time to move on. Um, but I'm also very happy that um, he put forth the effort that he did and um, that we are sitting here right now with fond memories of Greg Williams. I mean, who's going to take that Bengals job? Shouldn't the Bengals hire Greg Williams to be their head coach? Like, even if it only lasts for, like, two seasons because it doesn't work out. It, it's better than Hugh Jackson, right? Uh, you would think. You would think. I mean, probably. I, I'm a proponent of Vance Joseph. I think Vance Joseph is actually a good coach, and if he ends up in Cincinnati, I think that'll be a pretty good hire. Um, I want but, him as our defensive coordinator, so hope that doesn't happen. Um, I want to talk about that in a a little while, a little bit more extensively. I've jotted down some notes on some ideas of defensive coordinators. Before we get there, I think I want to keep some focus on Freddie. Um, Because I I think a lot of people have had this uh, narrative and have been just kind of talking about Freddie being like a stretch, particularly those outside of the Browns, you know, organization and definitely that aren't Browns fans. But the truth is this guy's been coaching football and been around football for a darn long time. And with a lot of high-level coaches. So I want to do a brief look at his coaching history so that everybody gets a good, accurate picture of where he's coming from. Um, So I think a lot of people know he played quarterback at University of Alabama in the 90s. And so he was a starter there for three years, which uh, and was on their roster from 93 to 97. Then Uh, He just missed the national title. I think so. Yeah, 92. Yeah. He he missed the national title and Dabo Sweeney, which is disappointing. But apparently at one point, Dabo Sweeney was a GA at the same time that Kitchens was on the staff, if I have that correct. I think that's that's accurate. Um, And so they were there at the same time, just not on the roster, I think, at the same time. Um. Okay, so then he kind of became a coach shortly after, and he bounced around as a graduate assistant at some like really tiny school. And then he landed as a graduate assistant at LSU working for Nick Saban in 2000. So that's a really interesting wrinkle. And then went on and took a, an assistant job at North Texas for a couple years under a coach that's like a no-name guy. Um, and then went to Mississippi State in 2004 and was one year as quarterbacks coach or one year as running backs coach and one year as tight ends coach under Sylvester Croom. 
and they've kind of got like a background, like an Alabama background of Connection. overlap. Yeah. That's kind of where the Sylvester Croom piece comes in. And from there, Bill Parcells hired him, and that was his break into the NFL. He was hired as the tight ends coach for the Cowboys in Bill if Parcells I remember last hearing, year. Hearing that story, that was a uh, just like a out of the blue phone call. They they hadn't met before, and Kitchens was working for Mississippi State, and Parcells called from Dallas to offer him a job. I and found I Kitchen, dug up. Kitchens didn't didn't know Bill Parcells. Had, had met didn't know that he was being considered for that job until he received that phone call which is a pretty incredible story yeah if and you're a football coach and bill parcells calls you and says hey you want to come coach the nfl i think you say yes like every time yeah i found an article like an archive story on cowboys.com that basically said exactly that it was a really rare situation for parcells to not like hire someone that he was familiar with and knew within the family and I looked up that coaching staff because I was trying to dig deep to see if I could find any overlap for some guys that could be good defensive coordinator candidates that um, Kitchens is like overlapped with. Um, that coaching staff was out of this world. Listen to this. Okay, on the 2006 Dallas Cowboys coaching staff. Okay. Quarterbacks, Chris Palmer, who Browns fans know well as our first head coach whenever we came back. Running backs coach, Anthony Lynn. Wide receivers, Ooh. passing game coordinator, Todd Haley. Tight ends coach, Freddie Kitchens, as we just mentioned. Offensive line, running game coordinator, Tony Sperano. Offensive assistant, David Lee, who was our quarterback's coach just a couple of years ago. That is insane. Like All of those names are like well-known NFL coaches on the offensive side of the ball. Have been or are currently yeah. NFL head coaches. And Mike yeah. Zimmer was the defensive coordinator, and Todd Bowles was their secondary coach. Wow. I mean, unbelievable. So Todd Bowles and Kitchens have overlapped on a few occasions, this being the first one, and then later in Arizona, obviously, being another one. But didn't he just take the the Tampa? He did. To, yeah. see job? Yep. It looks like that's not yeah. an option. Um, so then from 2006, Parcells retired, and that is when Freddie Kitchens moved on to the Arizona Cardinals and basically withstood a bunch of different um, coaching regimes there. And so he was with the Cardinals as a tight ends, running backs, and quarterbacks coach at different times through three different head coaches, um, which is pretty remarkable. And I think that says a lot about who Freddie Kitchens is as a person. Like, I don't, anyone I've heard talk about this guy loves him. And seems like they would do anything for him, which is it also, what it also, you want in your head coach. So the biggest knock on, I think, Freddie Kitchen's career trajectory is that he was stuck at that like position coach level for a long time. But if you think about it, the way you move up in the NFL in coaching staffs is you're on a successful coaching staff, and the guy above you gets promoted somewhere, and you take his spot. That wasn't happening in Arizona. For the most part. No. I mean, you weren't having, like, s stable regimes where the offensive coordinator was leaving to go be the head coach somewhere and you could move up. Um, so the fact that he was able to stick around in one place, well, through these regime, regime changes, nobody was going to give him uh, a promotion but happy to, to keep him where he was at because he was doing a good job, I think speaks a ton to his overall demeanor, likability, and reputation. Yeah. Um, so... And then he finally got a shot this year, and he knocked it out of the freaking park. 
Have yeah. you seen some of these stats that have been thrown out about, you know, how our offense ranked in the NFL, you know, under Haley and Jackson versus what it looked like under uh, Kitchens? Oh, it's such a joke. So just looking at DVOA, we were the 29th overall offense with Hugh and Haley. And that's weeks one through eight. And then weeks yeah. nine through seven in the NFL, we were the number two overall DVOA on offense. Yeah. We, we ended up on the season at like 12, I think, for the, for the whole season when it was all factored in. Okay, the only team that was better than us at the second half of the season was the Chiefs. That means we Which were is... better than the Rams. All these other like ridiculous offenses that we think of, the Browns were better. That's incredible. Yeah. That's absolutely incredible. That, that's enough uh, evidence for me, honestly, that you can't lose the guy. And the best way to not lose the guy was to make him head coach. And so I think my, my only concern in this whole situation is who is he going to surround himself with? Because taking that rapid ascent, it was very clear he could take on the responsibility of a coordinator, but it's another huge jump to take on you know the responsibility of being the head coach as well as the coordinator responsibilities I'm sure he's going to assume as well. So being yeah, able to balance all of that is tough. And I, I just wouldn't assume that anyone could really do that particularly well. So it's a tough situation too with Bruce Arians coming back into the league because a lot of those coaches that they um, overlapped with in Arizona are either committed to coaching with Arians in Tampa Bay or already have a job across the league. So Freddie's going to probably have to rely on some of those relationships from way back in the day and uh, people who he trusts to make recommendations that maybe he doesn't have personal experience with on filling out this coaching staff because I don't know who he's going to choose from. Yeah, it's true. And we're seeing all of those coaches pop up. Um, I don't know the guy, but uh, Arians hired an offensive line coach today that was getting some accolades from some people that I respect in the NFL community. Like Ted Wynn um, was saying that was a really good higher and that the staff overall is just ridiculous. Todd Bowles got confirmed this afternoon as definitely going to Tampa and not going to Chicago as was um, talked about a little bit earlier. So it is going to be kind of slim pickings and he's going to have to go outside of that realm to, to make the right hires. But it's, I think the thing, I, I think the hires are one thing. And then the ability to like manage the time and manage the staff um, is like another thing, like during the actual season, because that's just a whole another element. He's been coaching and coaching at a position level. And one of the things that he did a great job of as an offensive coordinator was kind of incorporating everyone's ideas into it. But when you're the head coach, like the buck kind of stops with you. Like you're the one making the calls. You can you can take all that information from everybody, but at a certain point, you've got to like actually drive it all into action. And it's a whole lot more information coming in than just when you're looking at the offensive side of the ball. And so it's a lot to balance. And so I'm looking. I, obviously, the, the defensive coordinator is the biggest one, right? Because he's an offensive guy. And so he's going to need somebody to really own that side of the ball. Do you have, now that Todd Bowles is off the table, I mentioned uh, Vance Joseph as somebody I would love to see. As far as I know, those two don't have any history together. That's just my desire for somebody that has like the highest level of coaching experience to balance out the other side. Do you have anybody in mind that you'd want to see take over that spot? 
You know, I was trying to think about this, and it was tough for me to come up with names. I mean, because I'd love to, what I'd love to see, and this is probably what everybody wants, uh, is to mirror the Los Angeles Rams setup, where they, they brought in McVeigh, who has admittedly less experience than Kitchens did at the time when he got promoted to this job, uh, but then paired him with Wade Phillips, who has been around this league for 50 years, uh, but been a head coach of the league. So I'd, I'd love a setup like that where there's a defensive coordinator who handles the defense, but also has been a head coach of the league. So could kind of help guide and take some of the burden off if, if necessary. Um, I don't know who's out there that fits that bill though. So a couple of ones that also came to mind, Chris Richard, everyone I think is like, that's like the ideal candidate. He came from Seattle, went to Dallas this past year, and has really. I think um, he's. Isn't he getting the Miami head job though? I think That's a lot of people think. What the reports think, were today. I think a lot of people think that he is going to get that job. So I think that's pie in the sky. It would obviously be great, but I don't think that's very likely. Um, and then another one would be Steve Wilkes. Yeah. Just got fired from Arizona. I don't think they have any history together, but he's a guy who was a head coach and obviously has been proven as a good defensive coordinator from his time in Carolina prior to this last year in Arizona. I think that could make some sense. What about Terrell Austin? Didn't they work in Arizona together? They did. They did. He's been the Ravens secondary coach, was recently... He was the Bengals uh, the defensive Bengals coordinator. The defensive coordinator that, last year. Yeah, was not good. He's definitely one that I think is probably on the short list for Kitchens. He's being interviewed. I mean, too. he's got the connection, yeah. Uh, Ray Horton was uh, coached alongside Kitchens. Could come back for his <laughs> that was, third that stint. That was my suggestion on Twitter. I, I kind of hope it happens. Not for I don't. a schematic fit or anything like that, but just for the comedy of it all. Yeah, he, he's been out of football, I think, since the Browns fired him last. So I don't think that it, that's That last likely. time didn't go well. Yeah, it was bad. It didn't go well. It was real bad. So that's a joke more than anything. Um, another interesting one that's kind of like a degree removed situation. I don't think that they worked together directly, but they have Arians as their common bond, would be Chuck Pagano. What do you think about that? He's apparently ready to get back in the league. <sighs> It's been so long since Chuck Pagano's run a defense, though. I mean, I know he was the head coach of the Colts, and so he was involved in the defense. I just wonder. Uh, it wouldn't be the worst. He fits the bill for guy who's been head coach. and uh, He's had his time in the limelight. Like, I don't think – I think he would have the right approach to the whole thing. I, yeah. I think him – or Steve Wilkes or Vance Joseph, I would be comfortable with any of the three. Those three all seem to fit the description for me. Yeah, Steve Wilkes would be good. My buddy who's a Carolina Panthers fan wants him to come back and be the D.C. for the Panthers again. Um, you pouring a drink? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's my water bottle, unfortunately. I'm sitting in my car in a parking lot doing a, pulling a surviving the season move. Oh man. So what else do we need to cover here? I think let's let's talk about more of the staff, right? Like uh Mary Kay put out an article here in the last couple hours stating a few names that are out from the staff and a few names that are likely to remain. It appears that Ken Zampezi is out as quarterback's coach. 
Um, we already know about Greg Williams and most likely Blake Williams going along with him. She also said that Mark Hudson, who was an assistant O-line coach, is out. Don't know anything about him. And Eric Sanders, defensive quality control coach, is out. I'm hoping that Amos Jones is on this list. God forbid. If he like stays, that's going to be horrendous. Um, they worked in Arizona together. I know. It makes me a little nervous. But um, that's one to keep an eye on. But then staying, then this is the best news I think I've heard the whole time, is that Adam Henry is plan- is going to be retained as wide receivers coach. If there was one position coach that I wanted to stay on, it was Adam Henry. And yeah. I'm glad to see that that is the case. And then another one is Dwayne Walker, who has been our defensive backs coach. And I can't, I'm not going to pretend to know anything about Dwayne Walker, but our DBs played well. I think our corners mostly overperformed. And the transition for Demarius Randall to free safety and Jabril Peppers, you know, second year was all phenomenal. So I think that that's a well-deserved retention as well. So I think those two staying is awesome. Yeah, my only it's just interesting uh, to know that we're keeping certain defensive position coaches without knowing who's going to be running the defense and what scheme we're running. Well, I think it's a situation uh, where you retain it, retain them for now, right? It's like, all right, well, I know I don't want these guys, so let them loose. And <laughs> imagine how I like these guys. I like these guys, so let's hold coach, them on. To yeah. just be on the, the the immediate axe. Yeah. Just knowing that, no, I can get a better assistant quality control coach anywhere yeah. than you. Uh, it's a little bit of a popularity contest, I guess. Um, and then, obviously, Ryan Lindley was a late add to our coaching staff. Whenever all the shakeup happened, basically he took over as the running backs coach for Kitchens whenever Kitchens got promoted to offensive coordinator. And so he was obviously a quarterback in Arizona that was, you know, a direct pupil of Freddie Kitchens when he was quarterbacks coach. And so those two are tight. I'm super interested to see where he lands. He's going to be the quarterbacks coach. He's got to be, right? I think he's going to be the quarterbacks coach. But... Would it be a complete shock for him to be like the offensive coordinator? I mean, hell, Byron Leftwich is the offensive coordinator down in Tampa. So, I'm and not Byron's going to be calling off. plays. I doubt that anybody but Freddie Kitchens will be calling plays in Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, it's a unique spot to be the offensive coordinator here when you're not going to be calling the plays. With the skill I mean, set you need is more of like an organizational standpoint and being like the translator almost. And yeah. being like the arms and the legs um, of Freddie Kitchens when he can't be around. You know what I mean? You got to be able to organize everything, get everybody together, like be of the same mind. To me, like who better than a guy that learned directly under him when he was a player? You know, I just, yeah. I just think that he fits the bill. It wouldn't shock me if he was the one tabbed as offensive coordinator. When, how, was it Lindley on our roster as a player a few years ago? When we were like really scraping the bottom of the barrel for quarterbacks, I don't think so. But I say that with only like seventy five percent confidence. Yeah, because there were some years there where we were really doing, doing wonders. Uh, my question is: so you have Lindley as offensive coordinator, which obviously he's not calling plays. So who knows what that job looks like? But then you have Drew Stanton on the roster who weren't they in Arizona together and Stanton's got a, a longer tenure? 
Yeah, Stanton was there as well. They're both kind of like the same thing. So Stanton can be like the on-field quarterbacks coach. You have another person with the actual title. That might be another reason to support Lindley being the offensive coordinator. To what extent do you think Freddie Kitchens being from Alabama and having a Southern draw, he was just able to charm Jimmy Haslam just a little bit <laughs> and, and make him comfortable enough to, to give him the job? Yeah, um, wouldn't shock me. So did you see the reports on like who was on the search committee? Did you see who it was? The the list. Yeah, it was Dee Podesta, Barry. There was that weird like vice president who's done like communications work. JW Johnson. He was, he's uh he's, yeah. the I think you're missing a piece of information. He's Jimmy Haslam's son in law. Oh. Well there you go. That makes it a little clearer. And he holds and an executive nice. vice president title um with the Browns. So yeah, and he gets to hire coaches. Yeah, and then it was Wolf from the personnel side of things. No, yeah. And Alonzo Highsmith was not included. Um, but I did love to see that Dee Podesta was uh, a key part of the whole search. So I, I think that's a, that's a good sign. Did you see this report that came out today from Charles Robinson, Yahoo? He dug up that they have a new reporting structure and that Kitchens is reporting to Dorsey and is not going to be reporting to Haslam. That's great. I think it's great. Um, given that Dorsey is there and in place, I think that's kind of how it has to be. No, I think that's especially important um, because this is Kitchen's first time being a head coach. You know, it's, it's less to worry about if you're going directly to the GM instead of trying to, trying to worry about what the owner thinks and, and all of that. Think that there could be some issues there. The John Dorsey's problem in Kansas city was that he took a little bit too much control and kind of railroaded some people and kind of wore out his welcome because of the way he handled things in that situation. This is John Dorsey getting more power in the Browns organization. So far, it seems that he's been handling that very well. Um, but as we get further into this tenure, and now that he is paired with a head coach with zero head coaching experience, that is clearly like that is organizationally a level below him, but experience level certainly like multiple levels below him is not going to have nearly as much weight within the building. Um, it'll be interesting to see how all of that shakes out and if Dorsey is able to keep the right balance within the walls or if he kind of follows a similar trajectory to what happened and played out in Kansas City. Yeah, but in Kansas City, he was also working with Andy Reid, who has enough experience to to feel like he should be running the show. You know, I don't think he's going to run into that same situation with Kitchens um, doing this the first time around. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. It's definitely a different situation. And so I don't, I did, I just don't know what to expect, but that is something I'm going to be keeping a close eye on is some of the like body language and like all of those things, like how friendly are these two? Does it seem like they're getting along or not? I, I'm just curious to see how all of that goes. So I think that's about it. Anything else you want to cover? Oh, uh, I told my, I told one of my friends, he's a Steelers fan, texted me about the kitchens, um, higher. And I told him that um, I'm pretty pleased he's uh, fat, ugly, and from Alabama. And that's how I like my football coaches. <laughs> yeah. It is funny. So, um, he, we ticked all the boxes. 
he is like the opposite of this trend of the young, hot offensive mind. He's got like all the credentials of like being the like short resume, like, uh, you know, innovative offensive mind, but he looks completely different than Sean McVay or Cliff Kingsbury. It's he also, he looks remarkably like Mike McCarthy, actually. If you like dress him up and put him in a hat and a, a, a hoodie, He's like the mix between Arians and Mike McCarthy. It's like if you like melded the two of those individuals together, you would out would pop a Freddie Uh, Kitchens. Kitchens. (laughs) I just can't ever imagine him playing quarterback. That's oh, he was a hulking. He was a hulking individual as a quarterback. A little more trim in those days, but still big. All right. Well, Uh, we're excited. The Reds in tight. Not that bad. All right. Well, we're excited for the Kitchens era in Cleveland. And as always, our podcast is brought to you by Barbasol, which now has their brand new Barbasol Shave Club, where you can have your razors delivered straight to your door at whatever interval you like. I don't know if you shave every day or every other day or every other week. Do you need your razors every month, every three months, or every six months? You get to decide. And if you sign up today at BarbasolShave.com, you can enter the discount code BROWNS a special discount code just for our podcast, and you'll receive $2 off your initial shave kit order. So head to barbersall.com, sign up, and save a little bit of money. We will be talking to you guys sometime soon. Um, We will likely have one more podcast before we head to Mobile to cover the Senior Bowl. We don't know what we're doing when we're going to be in Mobile to cover the Senior Bowl, but we're going to be there. We'll be talking to some people. sleep on park benches. Yeah. um... It'll be interesting. I, I was thinking we'll try, we should try to get some in-person podcasts recorded while we're there with a few good guests. Um, yeah, no, I think we, I think we should. We'll, we'll go sit next to um, John Dorsey in the stands at the senior bowl and just direct our phones to record <laughs> and try to see, see what we can capture. A few, uh, some gum chomping and uh, yeah. some buddy boys. Yeah, yeah. that'll be good. Oh, did you see that buddy boy? Oh, it'll be great. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks as always for listening. Interact with us, please, on Twitter at Sin of Our Fathers, or feel free to send us an email, Sin of Our Fathers at gmail.com. I, I did it. I hosted the podcast for the first time. Congrats. We're all, all right. so proud of you, Michael. All right. Go, Browns. Thank you.